Hi, this is Cindy Godwin, pastor of Summit Church, and this is our chosen podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope that it helps build up your faith and remind you that God has chosen you and set you apart for His purpose. Enjoy the message. I'm going to share with you a brief devotional, things that God is showing me. We'll do that every week. And then I have asked some young people, younger, by, well, right now, to me, anything under 50 is young. And so some younger people to give testimonies. We're talking about full circle redemptions. And I'm really excited to hear this. I believe it's going to benefit you and help you. You know, other people's testimonies strengthen us and just give us courage to run the race and fight the good fight and stay on track, stay on course. And so for me, and if this is for me, it's, it's also for you. My greatest struggle, I can honestly tell you, my greatest struggle in my whole entire life has been, Lord, am I in your will? Now, I grew up in my Christianity from age 20 until now. So 49 years. I grew up being taught that there is the permissive will of God and the perfect will of God. And that is not a doctrine of God. God will allow whatever we allow. That doesn't mean it's his will. I mean, I can go speeding down the expressway at 120 miles an hour. And if I don't get caught... God didn't stop me. So do I say, well, that's the permissive will of God? No, that's a choice. Deuteronomy 30, 19 says, I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. It's an open book test. And then he gives you the answer. I mean, how many of you would you love to have been in school and the teacher says it's an open book test and I'm going to give you the answers? Well, you'd make a hundred. I mean, you'd be not wise to ignore that. But God gave us the answer. He says, choose life. Why? In order that you may live and your descendants. So I know that as I choose life and I choose the blessing, it's a generational thing that it goes to my descendants. So you can bet I'm going to choose life. So the Bible says in Romans 12, to present your body a living sacrifice, which is your acceptable service of worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen, so that you can prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the perfect will of God is good and you can accept it. I absolutely abhor it when I hear people, maybe they're afflicted with some horrible thing. Well, whatever God wills. Well, that's, that's ignorance of the scripture. The Bible makes it clear that when you renew your mind and you refuse to be conformed to the world's way of thinking, that you will know what is good, acceptable, and perfect in his sight. So your job and my job is to renew our mind. So that you can know. And, and that's what I endeavor to do. And so my greatest struggle is, Lord, am I in your perfect will? 
And as with all of us, now there are certain things you already know are the will of God because they're revealed through Jesus Christ. Anything Jesus did is the will of God. He said, I have come to do your will. In the Gospel of John, he said, I do the will of my Father. So how can you deny that all of the miracles Jesus did, the miracles of provision, the miracles of healing, the miracles of rescue and deliverance, how can you deny that any of that is the will of the Father? You cannot. I was telling Tiffany that I'm, I'm writing, I've done two chapters of next summer's Bible study, A Journey into the Heart of God, and it is so transforming me. I'm seeing the Father in ways I've never seen him before. Actually, it's Journey into the Heart of the Father. And it's, I'm just lifted so high by discovering him in a way I have not seen before. I'm so excited that I'll be able to share this with you next summer. And so in that position of knowing what the will of God is, is revealed in the face of Jesus, which we all can know that. But then there are other decisions to make that are not clear. In the Bible, where you have to seek the wisdom of God and know what to do. One good example is, say you are suffering physically. You need the wisdom of God. We know it is God's will to heal you. But Lord, where do I go from here in my healing journey? I mean, we know we should have hands laid on us. We know we should be anointed with oil. We know the prayer of faith should be prayed. I mean, we know these things. But where do I go from here, Lord? Some people have the great faith to receive their healing without any medical intervention. Others go through that process. However it comes, healing still comes from the Father through Jesus Christ. So you, you have to have the wisdom of God for that. But what job do I take? Who do I marry? Where do I live? Those things... We have to know the will of God. And so often in my life, I would really seek the wisdom of God to know his perfect will for me in whatever situations. Some of them are vital to my well-being, and the same goes with you. I'll give an example. If somebody marries whoever they want to marry, you haven't sought God for it, and perhaps you've allowed yourself to be unequally yoked. For instance, the Bible says don't be unequally yoked. For what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? I've seen many women that were so desperate to get married that they married an unbeliever. And my response is, well, that's fine. Except just know you're going to have to carry them your whole marriage. And I've seen such suffering about that. Because a lot of times we just do what we want to do and hope God will put his rubber stamp on it. So now that I've made a friend, the world I grew up in taught me that God is mad at me. And it took me, I can't even begin to tell you the number of years, because I don't honestly know the number of years, it took me to unbelieve my belief or to disbelieve my belief that God was mad at me and that he was ready to punish me 
that the minute I did something wrong, the punishment was going to come. The rod of God was going to hit me. I bet you if I asked you how many of you have struggled with that, I would see a lot of hands. I won't ask you that. And it was a long time before I realized I had a religious mindset that God was mad at me and that if I didn't do everything according to the demands of the law, that he would withdraw his spirit from me. Because I grew up like that. And it's very damaging. And I bet many of you, and I mean, I took it into my marriage that, you know, if I got mad at Randy, usually for no good reason, I would withdraw from him. And he would ask me, how many days am I going to have to be in the freezer? And it was usually about three. Now, friends, that is sin. That's wrong. And I had to literally crucify that pride and, and stop that and make myself. You know you can make yourself do something. Did you know that? You can make a demand on your personal will. And I had to make a demand on my will that I would not withdraw. And it was hard. Now, it doesn't do you any good if I stand up here and I act like I'm just so holy. And, you know, the word that holy means to be set apart. My toothbrush is holy. It doesn't mean you glow in the dark or that you have fairy dust over your head. So if I'm not real with you, it's not going to help you. Now, you all just look like you never do anything like that. So, so I just believe that if I messed up that, you know, I was just in major trouble. Didn't understand the power of the blood to cleanse me of all unrighteousness, even when I didn't realize I had missed the mark. One thing I've learned, and please hear me, I have complete and have personally known people that, that suffer with bipolar disorder, and it's a horrible thing. They don't want to be that way. But you know what? If you really examine your, your heart, many of us believe God is bipolar <laughs> without actually saying that. That he has good days, he has bad days, and sometimes he's up and sometimes he's down. And then he's moody. Now, you, that may not be you, but that was me. God does not have a divided heart. There's no variation with him. He doesn't switch things up on me. I lived waiting for the shoe to drop. That was a lie. Now, I may not be talking to all of you, but I'm talking to some of you. Or I might be talking to some, all of you. I don't know. So, I had this vision actually this morning, and I saw this, and it was very strange. I've never seen anything like this before. You know how um, if you get knots in your hair, I know some of you have fine hair, and you probably never get it knotted up, but, but I have a seven-year-old granddaughter that's got gorgeous hair. I mean, it's down to here, and it's curly, and, and I just even recently, like we went on vacation, and she wanted Mimi to help her wash her hair and comb out the tangles. And, oh, I had to be so careful. I mean, I used a bottle of whatever that stuff is. And, and uh, you know, you know, when you, I have curly hair, so when you try to get tangles out of curly hair, you start at the bottom like this. If you start at the top and do this, you're going to pull the hair out. And 
So just imagine, you know, you're trying to get knots out of long hair, and what do you end up? You end up with a ball of knotted hair. And that's what I saw this morning. I saw a ball of knotted hair in the hair, actually, that needs to be cut out because you can't comb it out. And for some of you, that's what you're going through on the inside of you. It's like a knotted mess inside of you of confusion and of distraction and of questions and of I don't understand. And the Lord is saying to you today, I'm going to take out the knots. And he's going to start at the bottom and work his way up until you're free. So I learned to ask the Lord a question, and I just recently did this, and I'm telling you it freed me, I think, more than anything. And that's what I'm going to share with you for just a few minutes. Then we're going to bring our beautiful testimony up here. I asked the Lord, it was, it was regarding something I knew his will about, but I didn't know the path to take. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'll give you an example. This was not the case. God will supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus, right? It's the word. And so you've got a need, and you know it's the will of God for that need to be met because the Bible says he takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. So we know what the will of God is, but Lord, how do I meet that need? How do you want me to obey you to meet that need? I, for some of you, you might need to know, God, how am I going to fill up my tank? I'm getting texts almost every day just saying what, took, what cost me $45 last year to fill up my tank is costing me $90 today. And I know we've all experienced that. And let's face it, we, we need gasoline. I guess you could get an electric car. Some of you have that, but my mother yesterday, when this uh, challenge, this uh, warning came out about rolling blackouts, my, bless her heart, she said, uh, well, that would be okay as long as we can run our fans. I said, mom, that means they're going to turn off the electricity. And she, she thought they were just going to turn off our AC. I mean, I'd rather have AC and have everything else turned off, if you want to know the truth. Because when we had Snowmageddon, winter before last, we were of the unfortunate group that never had a rolling blackout. We had nothing from Monday night till Thursday morning. And it was awful for me because I did not change clothes for all that time. I, I couldn't. And I put towels on the seat of the toilet because it was so cold. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so I asked the Lord. It just The Holy Spirit just brought it to me. I asked the Lord in this, how do I go about what I know is your will? And I clearly heard, ask me for permission. Ask me for permission. Because I knew what I wanted to do. So I said, Lord, do I have your permission to 
receive the answer this way. And I mean, for some of you, that might be duh, but for me, it was like that aha light bulb. Do I have your permission? And I heard permission granted. And I said to the Lord, that's great, but I need to see that in the Bible. Many, 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 many years, many, many, many years ago when I started in the ministry, many years ago, it's been 49 years since I started, I had people coming out of the walls, literally telling me, you are, and they would name famous people, you are the next so-and-so, you are the next so-and-so, you remind me of so-and-so. And I did some traveling, and I would even be introduced. This is the so-and-so, and insert the name of a famous person of San Antonio. And now it grieved me, and I went, why can't I just be me? Why can't I just be Sandy Ross? Why do I have to be compared with so-and-so? And... I just have to tell you, and I would listen to some of the testimonies of, of some of these very well-known people, and, and uh, they would say, from the time I was a little girl, I had this in my heart, or I would see maps of the world, and I would say, God, I want to go there, and I want to go there, and I want to go there. And that wasn't me. And it's not that I haven't traveled. I mean, for heaven's sake, I lived in Europe for over two years. How many of you have ever lived in Europe for over two years? Not many. So, I mean, most Americans have never lived overseas. And so it's not like I haven't had a cultural experience, but there was nothing in me that wanted to do that. I love the local church. I love, I mean, my passion was for the local church. That was my passion. And so all these people for years, no, thus saith the Lord, do this. Thus they, you're going, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. And, and you know, Rick always says, and Tiffany, if I get this wrong, correct me. All right. Um, God loves me and everyone else has a plan for my life. Isn't that it? And I grieved me because I thought, God, if I'm out of your will, forgive me. Lord, help me. I want to be in your will. And I sought him and I sought him with my whole heart. And I would be on my knees kneeling by my bed and praying, Lord, I just want to be in the center of your will. And you know what the center of Scripture in the Bible is, right? I think it's at Psalm 118 or Psalm 18. It's one of the two. It's either 118 or 18. It says it is better to trust in the Lord than to trust in man. Center of the Bible. And so one day I was doing a prayer focus, a ministry had sent out. I think it was a 21-day prayer focus. And, and the scripture for the day was Jeremiah 40 and verse 4. And I went to that, and listen, I know when the living, powerful word of God speaks to me. That I know. I have multitudes of times in my life received healing and deliverance and rescue and hope and help and comfort and peace through the scripture. And so I read it, and I knew immediately, and I want to read it to you. It says, now see. Now, granted, he was talking to Jeremiah, but the word is alive, and the word talks to you. Now see, I am freeing you today from the chains upon your hands. Your hands are your works. If it seems good to you to come with me to Babylon, come, and I will keep an eye on you and look after you well. Now, Babylon represented the world. Go out into the world. But if it seems bad to you to come with me to Babylon, then do not do it. 
Behold, all the land is before you. Wherever it seems good, right, and convenient for you to go, go there. And I knew right then that the Lord was giving me permission to choose. And I said, well, Lord, I choose to be here. And I've been here in this pulpit for almost 39 years. And then he gave me Jeremiah 42, 11 and 12. Do not be afraid of the king of Babylon of whom you are fearful with the profound and reverent dread inspired by deity. Don't be afraid of him, says the Lord, for he is a mere man while I am the all-wise, all-powerful, ever-present God. I, the Lord, am with you to save you and to deliver you from his hand. And I will grant mercy to you that he may have mercy on you and permit you to remain in your own land. So when I heard the Lord say permission granted, I said, Lord, I need a scripture. And the Lord said, go back to Jeremiah, the second one. And the second one was Jeremiah 42, 12. I will grant mercy to you and permit you to remain in your own land. And right there I knew that I had permission granted to me. And then he gave me Matthew 16, 19. I will give you the keys and the authority of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind and forbid and declare it to be improper and unlawful on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose and permit on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. So I knew I was in the will of God in, in this area, and I knew that permission was granted. And then peace came. When you know you've heard God, peace comes. And so I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you in James 1.17 that every good and perfect gift is from above. And it comes from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow cast by his turning. God is not bipolar. There's no variation. He doesn't have good days and bad days. His yes is not no. His no is not yes. And doesn't that bring us, of course, to 2 Corinthians 1.18? As surely as God is trustworthy and faithful and means what he says, our speech and message to you has not been yes, that means no. For as many as are the promises of God, all find their yes in him. For this reason, we utter the amen to God through him in his person and by his agency to the glory of God. He is the word. His promises are yes. If you need to know how to receive, if you need direction, take the promise. Take the promise and then say, Holy Spirit, is there something, a path, a road you want me to go on to receive this. It's not that hard. But God is saying permission is granted. His word is yes. Use the keys of the kingdom. We talked about that last week. Permission is granted. The character of God never changes. I want to give you a couple of scriptures and then we're going to have our testimony. God never does anything he's sorry for. There's nothing, nothing, nothing but goodness in him. His word cannot be revoked. We have to shut our heart to him in order to not receive it. That's all there is to it. His answer is yes. Well, how come so-and-so believed God and it didn't happen? I have no idea. It's none of my business. Let me tell you something. One of your greatest downfalls that will cause you to fall into unbelief is to wonder why something happened to her and him and them. But they believed God. 
I'll tell you a story I've told many times. It's coming to brief it, but this, this uh, beautiful woman came to us, and I, th I think I recently just told this. And uh, she was afflicted, afflicted with a terminal disease, but she did nothing but confess the Word of God. Nothing but confess the Word of God. We took her in. We ministered to her. And she always thought that she was ugly all her life. And she had been brutally and repeatedly raped by her father throughout her childhood and teenage years. And her body just shut down because of that. And she got this horrible disease. Horrible. And two of the most beautiful women in our group, and I'm talking beautiful women, I'm talking your proverbial Clairol model. Lewis, what does that look like? I mean, blue-eyed, blonde, gorgeous hair, perfect, you know, gorgeous body. I mean, that, they truly, truly, truly were like, how can people really look like this? I don't even like you. <laughs> right? We're women. And they took her under their wing, and they just loved her, and they became her best friends. And I, I spoke to her the day before she passed. And I remember she said to me, Sandy, she could hardly breathe. She said, Sandy, if God's going to heal me, he has to do it fast. I can't hang on much longer. Right before she passed, I sought the Lord. I said, Lord, what is going on in the realm I cannot see? Because I knew what would happen. I knew that there would be those young believers who fell away from the Lord because they never heard anything but word come out of her mouth, and yet God did not rescue her. And I heard the Holy Spirit say this to me. She doesn't want to die, but she's made friends with the disease because she thinks that's the only reason that you all love her and these beautiful people have befriended her and that if she gets healed, then they won't want anything to do with her anymore because she still believes she's ugly. I was just like, I, how can that be? So she went on to heaven. I actually did her funeral. She was 32 years old. 32 years old, had two little children that'll never, they won't remember her. I think one was two and the other was four. Maybe the four-year-old will, I don't know. <clears throat> Time went on and I went finally to the person that she called her David. You know, Jonathan and David, the soulmates. I went to that person. I said, I just need to ask you something. I said, the Holy Spirit told me and I told her what the Holy Spirit had told me. That she'd actually made friends with the disease. She didn't want to die, but she didn't want to stay alive either. I mean, she didn't want to die, but she didn't want to live without it because she was afraid of the rejection. All right, I got it right. And she looked at me and she said, that's exactly what she confessed to me before she died. So you see, if we concern ourselves with what happened to them and why and where and how, what, no, we are going to be a mess. And you'll fall into doubt and unbelief. You don't have to be qualified because Jesus already qualified you. You don't have to qualify for the promises. You just have to receive him as your Lord and Savior and believe his word is true. So let me close with a few scriptures. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should feel repentance for what he's promised. Has he said and shall he not do it? Has he spoken and shall he not make it good? You see, I've received his command to bless. 
He has blessed, and I cannot reverse or qualify it. Nobody can curse me because there's no cause. You can say whatever you want to or about me. But if I keep myself in my most holy faith and in the love of God, it will bounce off like a ball against a wall. Isaiah 55, 11, so shall, not my, so shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth. It shall not return to me void without producing any effect. It shall accomplish that which I please in purpose, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. For you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. Mountains and hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you. The trees of the field will clap their hands. And finally, Isaiah 46, 4 and 10. I love this. Now, if you're over 60, you might want to receive this. Even to your old age, I am he. And even to hair with white with age, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. Yes, I will carry you. I will save you. And I will declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure and purpose. He already said, yes, permission is granted. Just seek his wisdom. He'll show you the path to take. And so without any further ado, I want to introduce to you my precious little petite gorgeous friend, Christy Rocha. And she's going to come and give us a testimony of her full circle redemption today. And she is a lovely young woman. And I'm just delighted that she said yes to this. So welcome her. And then I'll come back up and close. There you go, beautiful. I'm super nervous. <laughs> I do great. Uh, oh, good, you can see me. <laughs> um, so when she asked me to do this, I there's so many layers to testimonies, I feel. Um, and the funny thing is this morning, I do makeup lives for a living. And so I was doing, I was on my makeup live and I was talking to my audience about this and Something that I don't share a lot about is my ex-husband, and I was talking about it on my video, and I was bawling my eyes out, and I feel like sitting here listening to Sandy, like God's been talking to me, so this is, it's really cool. So um, I kind of had what you would call daddy issues growing up because my dad wasn't around, and I always saw my friends with their dads at like our dance recitals and different things, and I just always wished I had a dad, you know? Um, and I don't think I was at a place in my life the couple of times that he did try to reach out to me to be able to receive that. I wasn't a Christian at the time. So there was a lot of unresolved anger and just not understanding, I guess. Um, <clears throat> so I feel like because I didn't have a healthy example of what a husband should look like, I had a lot of failed relationships um, I got married at 24, didn't know the, the guy very well. Um, we have a child together who is now 16, and he's amazing. He's at church camp right now. Um, but it turned out that he was an alcoholic, and I didn't know that before we got married. Um, and it caused him to just be very angry. He would black out. There was a lot of abuse involved. Um, it was about three and a half years that we were together and I found out he was cheating on me and I felt like that was my out. I was really struggling with divorce because I didn't want to go through that 
my parents were divorced. I grew up in a divorced home, single mother, you know, home. Um, but at that same time, at that time, I was a manager for Starbucks in Oklahoma City. <laughs> I had gotten a job because I was like, I need to be able to support myself or I'm never going to get out of this situation, right? So I got a job there. Um, and there was a lot of, like, college students, and they would talk to me about Jesus. And at first, I was like, I don't want to talk about this, like, you know. And, and they were cool. Like, they would back off. And I don't know. One day, there was a one gentleman in particular. His name was Jordan. I will never forget it. I haven't seen him in all these years. But he, um, I started to ask him a question. So the next day, he brought me a Bible. It was a beautiful Bible, like leather, just beautiful. And so I took it, and I started to read it. And I had been to church as a kid, and I don't know, none of it, it just was like mumbo-jumbo to me. So when I opened it, I started reading Matthew for some reason. I don't know why. I'm sure that was led by God now looking back. Um, and in Matthew, it talks about divorce. And I don't know. It was just like everything made sense. I went to him the next day. I was training him to be a supervisor for me at work. And I asked him to go with me to the bank so I could show him how to do the deposits. And he prayed the prayer of salvation with me. And I had this, like, physical encounter. Like, I felt like my skin was on fire. It was, like, the greatest feeling in the world. And he's like, that's the Holy Spirit entering your body. And so... After that, I just was at, I had this peace. I was happy. Like, even though I was going through a divorce, I was just happy. And I packed my SUV with as much as I could. I put my son in it. He was, I think, almost about two at the time. And I drove 10 hours back to Texas, back to my family. Um, but, and this is where things got interesting. So I was saved, but do you know how you can be saved, but you still haven't fully surrendered. Has anybody been there? So that's where I was. So I was kind of like, I like to call it like the do-gooder Christian. You know, like, oh, I don't do that. I don't do this. I go to church. I, you know, you know, all the little things that on your checklist. Like, you think that that's what you need to do. Um, so anyway, um, it, I ended up, three years after I moved back home, I ended up moving here to San Antonio. So... When I moved here, my I didn't have any help here. I didn't have anybody to watch my son. I'd been a single mom for about five years. And so my sister was like, just go over there. And I was doing it because in order to advance in my career, they told me I needed to be in a place that wasn't a remote market. At the time, I was in Corpus Christi, Texas. And so I needed to come here in order to have that opportunity. So my sister said, just go, and I'll take care of Peyton. Just go get settled and get it figured out, and then you can bring him up there. So I get here, and the issue was that I had to work different hours. So when I was living in Corpus Christi, they allowed me to work the hours I needed to to take him to daycare and to pick him up to be a single mom. So when I moved here, I had to work opening shifts were like 4 a.m. I had to work weekends. I had to work nights. So it was impossible for me to find somebody to watch him. And so he actually ended up going and living with his dad for about a year with the woman that he had cheated on me with too. And I went into a very horrible depression. It started to spiral really bad. I was crying myself to sleep. Um, I actually met some people through a, a mutual friend 
and I started using drugs. Um, and at first it was like, oh, you know, I'm just having fun on the weekend. I was still going to work all week, I, you know, doing what I needed to do. And I always say, you have control of it until it controls you. And although it was only a year of my life, at the very end of that year, there was a night where I thought I might never wake up. And I remember I told my friend, if I don't wake up, tell my son that I love him. And the crazy thing was during that year is where I met my husband that I have now. And he had lost his first wife. So he didn't care if he was alive. He was partying, drinking, doing everything. Um, and when God was so merciful to wake me up, my, my husband now and I were just friends at the time. And even through all of that, we still talked about God. We would be sitting in a party talking to everybody about God. <laughs> that never left me. But I went to him. I guess he felt safe to me because of that. And I went to him and I said, I don't want to live this life anymore. I want my child back. And so he said, okay, I'll do it with you. And I was like, I thought, okay, he's still going to like smoke pot and drink or something. You know, like I didn't think... But no, he called his friend, Doug, who's a navigator, missionary. He came over the very next morning and prayed with us. We both rededicated our lives back to the Lord. And I have been 10 years clean this month. Um, and so is my husband. And that's what sparked our relationship. Um, he, go, he told me to go quit my job, that he would support me so I could have my son back. So I did. I got my son back. Um, my husband and I are, will be married 10 years this this um, year in September. We have four children total. And um, he's been the dad that I never had. And so it's that that's my full circle redemption. I have the husband that I thought never, I wasn't worthy of having. And I have the father for my children that I never got to experience. And it's all because we put God at the center of our marriage. I knew that I had to find a man that loved God more than he loved me if it was going to work. And I knew that there was a 50% divorce rate on your second marriage. And 10 years later, we're still stronger than ever. We've been through so much. But I know that with all that we've dealt with, that if we keep running to God in our hard times, he will sustain us. And I'm so thankful that I've broken that generational curse and that my children have had the example of a healthy, loving, godly marriage. Thank you, guys. Okay. Excellent job. What an excellent job. So you're beautiful inside and out. Okay, so we're going to pray for people that need this kind of full circle redemption. Because you see, it can happen. But why don't you tell them, what are some things that you do to keep yourself in the circle of blessing. Can I add one more thing real yes, quick? Yes, you can. So I also wanted to mention, I haven't drank alcohol in 15 years, mm -hmm. not because I had an issue with it, mm -hmm. but because I never wanted to be that example for my son mm -hmm. who comes from a family of alcoholics. Mm -hmm. So my husband and I, neither of us have drank at all. He's never Amen. seen that. So I'm also, we're also trying to break that generational curse and speak and life into him. And you have. Yes. In Jesus' name. So to stay in the circle of blessing, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think it, it's a lot to, to do with listening to God. Mm -hmm. And so the reason I 
told you guys about the the overcoming drug addiction is because I'm so thankful for that. And I know that sounds crazy to some people, but it's what completely broke me to yeah. be in full mm -hmm. surrender to the Lord. What the enemy I, meant for evil, God meant for exactly. good. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like now I'm in a place that when I am going outside of the blessing, I'm listening to that voice. I'm listening to the Holy Spirit. I'm listening to that nudge of where I need to go. Like, even this morning, for example, there was a lady that commented on my post yesterday, and I got offended by what she said. And I thought, how could she say that? You know, that was so rude. And I responded, not in the best way, not mean, but just, I was just kind of like, why would you say that? You know? And I felt that nudge this morning on the way here, like, that's not her issue. That's your issue. Like, if you're getting offended, that's not because of her. That's because you need to deal with something inside of you. Mm -hmm. So I sent her a voice message, and I apologized to her for my response because Good. I feel like to be able to stay in God's blessing, you have to stay under his protection by by you don't take the bait listening yes by listening that's right and we're gonna that's mess right. up yes. we're gonna mess up but we have to be able to recognize it and then get back in line amen to that yeah. well honey what you do is you just delete and block yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but the i have thing, a lot of experience the thing the thing was though she's been a longtime follower and i went uh, back and i opened the messages and we've talked okay. so she wasn't trying to be mean i just took it the wrong way yeah well, that's you know what i though. mean but you humbled yourself yes, yes. absolutely so, yeah. and so you know she's not going to talk about herself but in her company that she works for you're like what like number five in the nation in or the, something like in that the company. in the company mm -hmm. but in the nation in the usa yeah okay well yeah. yeah so number five in her company in the usa so from manager at starbucks <laughs> to being number five in your company I mean, that is the promotion of God mm -hmm. that came through obedience. And now her husband has started his own company. Supplement line. He's, he got to quit his 9 to 5, and he mm -hmm. started his own supplement and line. And they're good supplements, too, I can tell you from personal <laughs> experience. And they brought in his mother. Mm -hmm. Some of you have seen her on Tuesdays. She's um, has, has been diagnosed she, with rheumatoid arthritis, and she's quite d disabled. But he personally takes her. He lifts her. He puts her on the toilet. He takes care of her. She's a lovely woman. I mean, how many men would do that for their mother? I mean, I'm not being rude, but I'm just saying that is love. And she has three more children mm -hmm. with Ernest. And they are just a godly, wonderful couple and an asset and value to the body of Christ. And so, thank you. Who would have thought, right? Yeah. Only Jesus. <laughs> Good job, thank sweetie. You. All right. So, we're going to pray, and then I'll make a few announcements. And then one thing we do in session two that I love is each table has a prayer minister, an able, anointed prayer minister to lead prayer. Um, and you'll get to give your personal request and, and pray. And that's just a wonderful thing when we can do that with each other. But if you relate to this testimony and you want some cycles, unhealthy cycles, it doesn't have to be drugs, doesn't have to be alcohol, uh, could be relationship-wise, or, or for your children, not just you, but for your children. Because you notice several times Christy said, 
We don't want our children. We want to break the cycle for our children. You see, that's the love of a parent. I want you to stand right where you are, and we're going to pray. Okay? So stand right where you are. If you want that kind of relational cycle broken or an addictive cycle broken, it's nobody's business what it is. (laughs) That's your business. But we're going to appropriate the blood of Jesus and, and take back our children. I know a lot of you, and a lot of you are standing for your children. And as you should, as you should, I'll wait for you to help her. Thank you, Cindy, for doing that. It's okay. Salome, can you help her from the back maybe? Just, all right, there you go. You actually could have stayed seated and just raised your hand, but that's fine. Good for you. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you that Galatians 3.13 says that Jesus purchased our freedom, redeeming us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Therefore, the curse is broken, the snare is broken, and we decree complete recycle, recircle, and restoration over everyone standing in faith, over their relationships, for their children. We decree the cycle of addiction broken through the authority of the blood of Jesus. The cycle of slothfulness, inability or undesiring, unwillingness to work, broken in the name of Jesus. The cycle of depression, of medicating with alcohol or pills or drugs. We declare it broken by the authority of the blood of Jesus Christ. The blessing upon you and upon your descendants. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich. He adds no sorrow with it. If you did it for Christian earnest, Lord, you are no respecter of persons. You show no partiality. You'll do it for those standing in faith, for themselves and for their loved ones. We take authority over the cycle of divorce. In the name of Jesus, Lord, above all, your word says that our land, we receive a new name. Our land is called married, owned, and protected by the Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that you own us and you protect us and the banner over everyone standing is love. I thank you for that, Lord, and I ask you today that you will just infiltrate them with courage and hope and power with your presence. Thank you, Lord, for becoming a curse for us. Thank you that the blessing is upon us and upon our children. We choose life. We choose the blessing. Father, where where there has been um, sexual molestation and abuse, I thank you, Father, that through the blood of Jesus, the shame and disgrace is covered and eradicated. In anyone standing or their children, I thank you that where there's shame, you are putting a white blanket, a wool. I just see a beautiful white blanket that's soft and fluffy and velvety and pure, covering them and giving them a new vision and new hope in the name of Jesus. 
And Lord, I see knots in a rope, that this rope is knotted. And I thank you, Lord, that for those who live with a constant state of just of knots in their stomach and knots in their shoulders, knots in their back, Lord, knots in their muscles, in the name of Jesus, I loose you from that stress. I pray the shalom, the peace of God would come down. I see the wings, the wings of a dove hovering over you to protect you and to speak peace upon you. Father, I pray for these, that the peace of wholeness would become the banner over their lives and would be their definition I take authority over and I bind any definition that the enemy has spoken over these children of God. And the Lord says today, he will redefine you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for joining us. If you enjoyed the podcast, subscribe and share it with a friend. You can hear more messages by visiting chosenessay.com. Be sure to follow us at Chosen Essay on Facebook and Instagram.